You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela setters Vassar, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Hey, 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 good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to this show. This is Angela setters Bassard. You're listening to Your Credit Today. And I have Angel Cade, my guest today, once again. Just love this lady. But before we get started, you know I always have to make a shameless plug. If you have not subscribed to this station, please hit that subscribe button. Tell all your friends and family about Your Credit Today and all the amazing information, tips, and uh, peanuts that you're getting from this station. (laughs) So I always like to start off with a little bit of news. And as we all know, there is, everybody is freaking out about the coronavirus. And, you know, of course, I don't want to make light of that. But amongst all the news concerning the coronavirus and the uproar, the Fed cut the rate again and interest rates are at an all-time low, people. You hear me? So now more than ever is the time to get your FICO right, baby. Get that score check, get that FICO tune-up. Call Conquer Credit today. Our team is ready to serve you. Hey, friends, let's pray for Nashville. This Tuesday, we woke up to the news that a devastating tornado not only took the lives of over 25 people, but the city has been destroyed. Natural disasters tested this city before. Tornadoes in 1998 and a flood in 2010 bulldozed ways of life and ushered in profound change. The Red Cross and FEMA run to a those affected. So please donate as many lives were affected. And when it's in our power to help, let us do so. Keeping in step with the economy and what's really going on, one of the biggest industries hit by the virus scare is the travel industry. Airline stocks dropped sharply on Thursday as investors reckoned with the prospect of canceled flights, lost sales, and substantial reductions in services for months to come. Several carriers, including United Airlines, JetBlue, and Lufthansa, announced new routes closing in recent days. An an industry trade group said the coronavirus could wipe out between $63 billion to $113 billion in sales in worldwide airline revenues, reports MSN News. Can you believe that, Angel? Oh my gosh, it's more than devastating and it's impacting so many industries across the verticals. And so it doesn't surprise me of the rolling impact. You think it's just, you know, one area, one thing, and you don't realize how many industries are connected to um, to that type of um, scare, uh, to that type of um, fear, to that type of um, devastation just across the world. And so we've seen it with our clients. We've seen it with conferences. We've even seen it with insurance companies, you know, that mm. aren't honoring uh, the uh, travel insurance, They're, they weren't considering the virus as something that was, uh, you know, um, act of God or natural disaster. And so wow, they weren't honoring, um, you know, people's uh, insurance to get refunds. And so people lost a lot of money. We have about two clients who had conferences that were scheduled for Singapore and Thailand that lost a lot, a lot of money that they typically would be making in those spaces and weren't able to recoup anything from an insurance perspective, the banking industry, people not wanting to touch money, receive money. It really is a foresight of pushing towards a cashless system. And so we're seeing how it's impacting just world economies across the board. Wow. Yeah. Very good point. Hey guys, see why I have Angel here? (laughs) 
So glad, so glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So we asked the question, what do you do when you want to start a business, a nonprofit or an LLC to shelter your assets? Well, I tell you what you do. You call Angel Cade the expert. (laughs) We've had the pleasure of having Angel as a guest in the past two shows. And I felt that the content was so compelling. We needed to have More, more, more. I wanted more, more, more. Executive on the go quotes. We understand what it's like to be your own boss because we have many business ventures and passion projects. Since 2002, we've helped over 15,000 entrepreneurs start their business the right way the first time. We know there's room for everyone who wants to open and run their own successful business. Welcome, Angel, back to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I, I I hope it's an indicator that we had such a good time last time that we just had to do it again. I just, I love our synergy and the work that you do is so ex- excellent and is such of a, it's such a high caliber. I really, really hope that all of your listeners, all the supporters, everybody that's tuning in really listens to the fullness of your content because everything that you bring has so much value in the marketplace. And if people would just listen and apply it to their life, it really can make a huge difference on cutting down the time that you would take to kind of figure out these things on your own. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Absolutely. And ditto to you. So today's topic, let's focus on something. Now, the last couple of shows, we talked about the differences between LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps. We got into the nuts and bolts, so to speak, about that. But what I really want to focus on today are nonprofits. I have a ton of clients that have aspirations to do really good things in the world, but they also, you know, don't really know, is a nonprofit right for me? Is a nonprofit something that I can do to brand myself as a thought leader, as a do-gooder in this space, in this world. And, you know, of course, I look to you for that information. <laughs> is it the right thing to do? So, you know, let's talk about that. Um, what What is the right thing to do when you're thinking about that? I think it's a, a great conversation. When, and when a lot of clients, when they come in and ask about nonprofits, I, I really have to kind of ch- do a little litmus test to kind of check why they're doing what they're doing. You know, when you, when you think about the nonprofit, we, you know, there's some people that come in that say, I want to do a nonprofit because I want to get a grant. Well, that's not, that's not the only reason to do a nonprofit. (laughs) So why? Because in other words, what they're saying is I want to get a grant because that's a means to get money in my pocket. Exactly. What you're saying is, is, uh, Hey buddy, that's the wrong way to look at it. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, the, the grant world is not an easy one to navigate. So it's not like, Oh, I have a, you know, 501c3 and someone is just waiting to write me a check or hand me money. And you think, well, if I do a nonprofit, I can get donations and people will support me. And it's, it's a very, it's a very hard road, you know, when you are really relying on the general public to support your effort and connect to your cause. And so your cause has to be, uh, you know, proven. It has to be authentic. It has to be real. You have to be willing to strive and go through everything that's needed to, um, you know, share the work and, and really convince others to support it at a high level. Mm. And so, when you say you want to start a nonprofit or you have a cause or philanthropy, then for me, I'm in the listening for, uh, I'm in the listening for the why 
I yeah. mean, the listening for um, elements that are sustainable in terms of, you know, do you have people that are on your board or that are like-minded or also supportive of the work? Are you in position to support your work? You know, um, when you start dealing with uh, give-get policies and, and different grants, they want to know that the board is committed. And so if you're going to ask someone for $10,000, they want to know, well, when did you give $10,000 right. to your own work? Mm. And so these are things that come up and a lot of people don't realize it. And there's different types of nonprofits. So uh, some people come and they'll say, well, I want to do a foundation. And foundation status is very specific. We have a number of clients that are, um, you know, celebrities or that have done well. And they they kind of just kind of figure that the next phase is, hey, I'll do a foundation in my name. Well, that's that's one of the things what I was saying in the beginning is that I think people get into this because they want to brand themselves. Yeah, yeah, they do. And, and the thing is, is that it's really... Uh, philanthropy can be a part of your legacy plan. You know, when I think about, um, you know, family offices or estate planning or, or, or legacy, you know, legacy thoughts that that people have, uh, nonprofits, endowments, foundations, these are great ways to kind of um, have a perpetual existence in the community and allow your resources to just kind of live on, right? Mm. Uh, as you do things in your name. But but the key is that you've, you've got to have money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so and so even in the even in the realm of foundation, when you think of foundations, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and you think about, you know, uh, Target has Target Foundation and you've got all these like major corporations. Well, what is it? It means that. And, and I just want to say this clearly. When you have foundation status, the source of your money is one, two, three, very few limited sources. A foundation doesn't get a grant from, uh, they don't get grants from major, you know, other foundations. They don't get grants from government agency. The foundation has the money sourced from certain uh, specific areas. And then its role is to distribute the money for that cause. So if I started a foundation in my name and my heart project is around cancer, then that would mean that a that I would be supporting my foundation. I would be taking money from my profits, from my business, from my life, right? And I would be putting it into the foundation. So I'm donating it to the foundation. So I've actually created my own write-off. But the foundation in its structure, its entire purpose is to distribute funds to then help uh, cure cancer or to do a particular work. So that's what it's doing. It's giving it away. It's funding other people that are doing research. It's funding other projects. It's funding education. It's it's doing that. Mm. So when you think about people that have, you know, even um, let's say an athlete that says he starts a foundation, he's starting a foundation because he's made a certain amount of money and he's assigning a portion of his wealth to do a work. So let's say you're, uh, you know, let's say you do basketball and you have a basketball camp. Well, you're taking a percentage of your income and you're saying, look, I'm going to start a foundation and I'm going to fund it with my wealth so that I can uh, generate a write-off in a cause that I am deciding. Mm. And then in the name of the foundation, it's going to distribute or do the work in that cause. So it's a very specific type. So I get a lot of people that come in that want to start something with the word foundation or brand themselves as a foundation, and they don't have the means to support it. 
Got it. So what I hear you saying, and forgive me if I'm wrong, is uh, a foundation is much different than a nonprofit. A found- or are they one in the same? So so it's in the world of nonprofits, but it's a different type. Got it. So there's different types of nonprofits. There's public benefit. There's uh, charities. There's... Okay. Well, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Little guru, <laughs> we need you to expound on every single type of nonprofit. Well, I don't know if we have enough time for me to do every type. But okay, some of give the us ma- a little smidgen. But the major, <laughs> but we, we, we've already discussed the foundation. Another really popular one is mutual benefit nonprofits. Those are fraternities, sororities, even HOAs, you know, homeowners associations. Those are nonprofits. The reason why when you think about uh, associations and clubs, those are nonprofits because they do not exist for the benefit of creating profit for one person. Okay. So that makes it a nonprofit. So nonprofit doesn't mean no money. It just means that there is not one person benefiting from the profit of that organization. So you could have an HOA and it's an association. It is a nonprofit. But what happens is that it exists for the mutual benefit of its members. Mm. So you you actually um, pay your dues, and because you pay your dues, you get a benefit. You know, you get a clean common area. You get gardening. You get what? Well, you get whatever you get, and then those monies that are in there are governed by the board, and that becomes the structure. So in a nonprofit environment, it is governed by a board of directors. So in other words, the board gets to decide how that money is distributed, how it's used, what it's for, et cetera, et cetera. And going back to your point, you know, what one of the things that I said is, you know, the whole world nonprofit, that doesn't sound very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. But I will tell you this is that the climate of business is changing. And with the new generation that's coming up behind us, they are demanding for uh, what we're calling social enterprises. They're demanding for people to be, um, you know, ethically responsible to um, the world and to causes. And so we've seen companies like Ben and Jerry's and Tom's and these type of companies that have taken on uh, different roles where they've gone outside the box of traditional uh, kind of stockholder, you know, uh, companies where it's like everything is about the profits and the bottom line. And they're saying, no, we're going to certify ourselves as what's called a B corporation. And we are going to commit to um, to the world in a certain way. We are benefiting our stockholders. We are in this to make money, but we are going to stand for social justice in a very unique way. And so we're seeing the um, evolution of new businesses. There's a new structure that's going to be coming. It Right now, it only exists in five states and it's called a low, it's, a, it's called a low profit LLC. So it's a L3C and it's a low profit LLC and it's a hybrid of a nonprofit and a corporation. So it, and, a, and so it kind of shows up in this way where there's groups of people, you know, there's a members and there's and there's governed, but they allow for certain deductions. And so it's very unique and it's birthing out of people demanding kind of like, I want to do the work. I want to have the profit, but I want to be able to appeal to this cause. And I don't want to have to do multiple structures to do it. And so we're seeing something new happen. So let me ask you a question. 
are there individuals out there that own, let's say, a couple of S-Corps and some C-Corps and have a nonprofit as well that they're able to use for a tax shelter or a pass-through or to help their business? Yeah, so so it's very common... Um, you know, as you're, as you're navigating through your success for you to identify with a cause or a philanthropy. And if you don't find someone that's kind of already doing something that you like or that you align with, it is very popular to just kind of, to create your own, you know, to create your own nonprofit. And when I say create your own, I mean, you are the founder, you establish it, you know, and then now maybe you're a part of the board and you have appointed other board members and you're doing this work. And what's beautiful is that when you navigate with multiple structures, you could actually say, you know what? a percentage of our proceeds are going to go to that nonprofit. And that's legal. And that's absolutely legal. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask And then we see a lot of people who even, you know, through the work of the nonprofit, they even, you know, they hire their children or they um, they allow for their uh, children to, you know, have jobs or, or get benefits and allow for them to be in a space where they can do something maybe that they're passionate about because maybe they're not passionate about the for-profit work. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're more passionate about the philanthropy. And so we see a lot of people allowing for their family to um, navigate through those other areas. We see it with a lot of clients that do group homes and different things like that, where their kids are, are a part of the, 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 the work uh, in the community. And it truly is a, a separate arm and nonprofit. So now is there a cap? Uh, I know that you're not a CPA, but is there a cap that you can donate to a nonprofit as a corporation on a yearly basis? Like you can't go over a certain amount that will not be tax deductible. The thing about that, and I and I don't know the amounts as they as so many tax laws have changed so radically in the last few <laughs> few years. Um, but what I will say is that when you do, I do know this is that when you do reach um, the cap of what's allowed for that year, is that it's something that you can carry forward. Mm. And so uh, that much I do know. So I do know that you can carry it forward. And I do know that you, what you want to do is you do want to document how you give, you know, a lot of us give money and, and that's fine. That's clear, but you want to be cautious also of your in-kind donations. I think people passively, especially in businesses, you know, you give to a basket or you give to a, a raffle or you give a Wait, coupon. you said in-kind. Can you please expound on that? Yeah. So what I mean by that is that it's not cash, but it has value. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so a lot of us in business, we might not give cash, but we give, you might give a discount. You might give a service. What if you give a, uh, you know, a package that has a value in the marketplace, but you're giving to an organization so that they can raise money. And instead of you getting the money, you're giving the goods. I want to make sure that people are recording that and, and, and uh, capturing that because that's part of what you are giving. And that's part of real revenue that you are assigning to that organization. So just make sure that you're accounting for everything that you're giving, even if it's not cash. Let me ask you another question. Let's say that you own a service business, Mm -hmm. okay, and you want to be able to give services away to people that can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Would it be worthwhile for a service business to have a nonprofit and to be able to give those services away and count them as cash? (laughs) You feel Uh, what I'm 
what I'm saying now, here. Now, now you're in the conference room. <laughs> <laughs> we just got out the whiteboard and started Uh-oh. drawing circles and arrows. Woo! So um, <laughs> this is fun. So um, what that looks like is there's various ways for you to accomplish that. So one of the ways that you could do that is you could um, you could actually look at you could look at what you're what you want to give and you could say, okay, you know what? This is definitely something that we're passionate about. We want to make sure that we give this service, but I don't want to devalue my service. I don't want to give it away for free. I want to make sure that it maintains its market value. But man, this particular uh, group or this particular demographic, I want to I want to supply the service for them. So then how that could work with a nonprofit if one was created is you could have a nonprofit that exists to communicate the education, the work, and then it could actually work with your for-profit to offer these services at a discount. But what you do is you make the person apply for a scholarship. Ah. So that way the scholarship becomes then the in-kind uh, tangible reference and the scholarship then allows you not to devalue the service that you're offering. And it's a write-off. And then it's a write-off because then you're able to say, oh, wow, you know, this service would be really great for you. But you know what? There's a nonprofit and you can apply for a scholarship for our services. Why don't you go to them? Well, now you're collecting data. Now you're proving that you're doing work in the community. Now you've stood, you've stood your ground on your value and you're not undervaluing your service or, or reducing it or discounting it. You're saying that this service has this value, but we have um, assigned or we've given X amount of scholarships. So then now it allows you even to brand and be able to promote the work that you're doing in the community because you can capture it in a different way. So that's a way that you could work with amazing. a nonprofit. Absolutely amazing. And you see, folks, this is how the rich and famous do it out there. Okay. <laughs> They got this secret weapon, Angel Kate, in their back pocket, and they just whip her out. Okay, Angel, what do I do next? And the thing is, is that this is creative. You know, these things are these things are designed. You know, out of uh, hopes and wants, and 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 they're they're figured out as we're navigating, uh, understanding how we can uh, play the game with the pieces that we're given. Absolutely. And so there's no set way to do it. You can you can do a scholarship. You can do you know what I mean. I, my my concern is if you do a discount that really doesn't leverage um, any of the references because you really at the end of the year could say X amount of scholarships were given, you know, and Mm -hmm. how powerful is that? Or wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be the right way to do it Mm -hmm. would be to have a scholarship program. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they would have to apply and they would have to basically check these boxes in order to be approved for the scholarship. Exactly. And then, and then what you can do is you could, you could leverage the idea of the scholarship by saying, Hey, once you apply for the scholarship, you allow us to, you know, use your data or use your story, or you're going to come back and tell us the value, or you're going to share this or, you know what I mean? There's things that you can ask for when you're giving that much value to someone. Mm. And I think so many times in the marketplace, we just give it away because of our heart, you know, because we care about people and we don't realize that, you know, uh, it's okay to ask to get something in return that's equitable Mm -hmm. because we want to be able to to market that. We want to be able to grow from there and we want the person to be able to gain the value as well. I love that. I love what you just said as far as, you know, the, the equity. Because, you know, a lot of us in the service business were putting our, you know, 
to, what do they call it? Blood, sweat, tooth, and nails. <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying tooth and nails. But, you know, we put it all in there and our heart is right on our sleeve. And, yeah. you know, I know for me personally, I would love to help everyone. Yeah. But, you know, as a business owner, you just have to draw the line at sometimes because, you know, you have overhead, you yes. have payroll, yes. you have things that you have to meet. But at the same time, if you had a program like this, yeah, boy, oh boy, could you really help a lot of people? And it would be a benefit to your organization and you would be doing what your heart's desire is. Exactly. And then nonprofits do pay for profits for work. Imagine if, if uh, there was a nonprofit and they were sponsored by a bank or they were sponsored by a financial agency and they were like, look, we um, want to promote, you know, education in this community. We want to empower, you know, this particular demographic or we want to impact this socioeconomic, uh, you know, uh, position. And they say, you know what, we're going to hire you to come in and speak and train or we're going to hire you to do this. And so now it becomes a conduit for you to do work. It doesn't mean no money. It doesn't mean you don't get a contract. It doesn't mean you don't get paid. It means that uh, the people that align with that cause are now able to, um, you know, pay for or access this valuable service. Hmm. So there's a, a number of creative ways to get to that. You just want to be, you know, open to what those possibilities are. Wow. I really, really love that. So tell me this, what are some of the big mistakes that you see people make with nonprofits? What's, you know, what's your sage advice on overcoming issues that people make in terms of mistakes of either having too many nonprofits, <laughs> you know, um, not maintaining oh, their gosh. nonprofits? I, you know what? I'm so glad you said that because really the biggest issue with nonprofits is, is the compliance is maintenance because, you know, just because you start it, uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're clear on how to take care of it. You know, you want to enlist professional support. You want to have, you know, people in your corner that understand, look, this form is due every two years. Look, even if you've done nothing, even if you haven't received a penny, you've got to do a tax return. If you go three years without doing a return, they revoke your exemption. And this is all of the things that you do oh, and yeah. executive on the go. Absolutely. So you provide a service that keeps these businesses accountable, so Absolutely. to speak, and keeps helps them, them running. Yeah, it helps keep them in compliance. I think, you know, a lot of our a lot of our um, calls that we get from people that are really hurting in the space of nonprofits is because they've lost their exemption. They didn't do something right. They didn't keep up on something. They forgot, you know, like I said, a tax return or a form. And just because uh, one of the misnomers with nonprofits is the is that if you create it, you're automatically a nonprofit. And that's not the case. When you create, um, when a nonprofit is created, it is incorporated as a nonprofit, but it doesn't mean that it is tax exempt, mm. right? Nonprofit is a specific code, right? So it just means that you are declaring that you are a nonprofit corporation and you exist for this purpose. It doesn't naturally mean that you're exempt from income tax. You have to apply for those exemptions. Wow. You have to get approved for those exemptions. And that, that's through doing the tax returns. Well, no, no, no. It's an actual exemption application. Wow. And it can take 
three, six months, nine months, some clients it takes a year to even get the exemption back. So just because you decide you want to be a nonprofit doesn't automatically mean, oh, I'm grant ready. No, no, no. You just you just exist. Now we got to get you exempt. And to go through that process, the IRS wants to know that you're viable. They want to know you have a program. They want to know they want to see projections for the next three years. They want to know that if they give you this exemption, that you're going to know what to do with it. There's a there's questions you have to be able to answer. We got to register you with the Department of Justice. They want to know, hey, you're a charitable trust. Are you doing fundraising in the state? A lot of people are out there asking for a lot of money. And especially, I'm glad that you mentioned Nashville because what happens is, see, the 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 agencies go on high alert because there's people there are people out there that are dishonest. And during a time of disaster, they rush to do nonprofits in right. the name of that disaster mm-hmm. just to raise money and disappear. Yes. Yes. So you got to be careful. So you have to be careful also to the nonprofits that you give to is what you're saying. Absolutely. You can check and verify. Are they tax exempt? Are they registered with the Department of Justice? So not every nonprofit is tax exempt. No. Get out of town. No, you got to apply for it. And believe me, I get a lot of clients who are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Or they didn't tell me or I thought, well, or they, when do they find out? Oh, they find, <laughs> and in California, you find out when you get a bill for $800. You find out when you get yeah. slapped, baby. Henner. You, you get a little P&I. You're like, what's this? Oh. I thought I was exempt. And it's like, oh, you forgot to apply. Or people do the federal exemption, right? They do the IRS and they think that covers everything. You got to check your state. Just because your federal exemption is covered, it doesn't mean your state is. Mm. And the state exemption, especially here in California, is very, very important. That state exemption, it exempts you. When you have a proper state exemption and you're a nonprofit and you have a building, that state exemption exempts you from property tax. Wow. So you that that's extremely valuable. It's a huge difference. I've had clients who've who've messed up and didn't do that state exemption or didn't apply for the property tax exemption, and it cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. Wow. So you've got to, the exemption rolls through multiple agencies, and you've got to make sure that stuff is in place. So nonprofit does not, does not, is not synonymous with tax exemption. And you want to make sure that once you get it, that you maintain it because it's extremely valuable. And when you lose the exemption, it's a tough thing to get back. Well, as you can see, friends, there's a lot that goes into the planning of having a nonprofit. So it's not, like I said, it's not necessarily just about being sexy because you have a nonprofit and you're a do-gooder. You know, you have to have a plan because we know without a plan, we plan to fail. Absolutely. And so what you do, Angel, when someone comes comes to you and says, hey, you know what? I have this great idea about this nonprofit. Tell me the steps. You know, let's just talk about one, two, three. You don't have to go into grave detail. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what do you sit down and talk to this client about? I, I talk to them about their mission. You know, I'm listening for their why. I'm listening for their their passion along the mission of what they're doing. I love it. I'm listening also for their board. Who's the team? We don't do this great work in the world by ourselves. Yes, somebody leads it. Yes, someone might be the spokesperson for it, but who... Um, you know, who is the team? Where is the board? You have to have a board of at least three people when oh, we start okay. off, you know, at least three. And, and it can't include yourself? It, or can. it can, absolutely. Okay. And, and hopefully not everyone is related. <laughs> so is that a problem? It can be. Um, it can be for financing. 
You know, it can be. I actually had a client, we were doing some, uh, they were preparing for some financing and 80% of the board was related, either um, in-law, cousin, and you have to disclose that in the application. Wow. And so when when too many people are related, they think it's a dummy board. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody's a dummy, but no, they no, think, no, you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Right. So they, they believe that the board is just kind of like, uh, you know, some, some one person is pulling the strings or you're not doing what's in the best interest of the mission. You're, uh, doing what's in the best interest of the family. Mm-hmm. Right. So they want to prevent that. And so we had a, we had a bank actually, I remember this years ago, they were doing a, a construction loan for a, pro- for one of their programs and the bank demanded that they either add people on the board so that there were more people that weren't related than were, or that they replaced the board members. And the bank was allowed, I mean, the bank could make that demand because they felt that it was biased. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So first you listen for the mission, you listen for their why, you have an understanding of who their board is. What's yeah. what's number three for you? So number three for me is going to be their commitment over the next uh, six months to get through this exemption process. This is not, you, you don't hand off the baton and say, you know, you know, great, you know, in six months I'll come pick up my baby. Uh-uh, no, no, no. <laughs> This is not, I'm not a surrogate. Right. There's, there's some work to be done. Absolutely. And so just let them know that we are in the trenches together. And so how do you keep this client, this person accountable to coming back to you with all of this information? What do you do? Well, um, a, a lot of it is in our um you know, we really outline the detail and the information that we need. And so in going through that, we have a series of of meetings to really unpack for them what it means to do a projection. You know, everyone isn't good with financials, but I want you to understand what it's going to take to make this work. Got it. And so even though you might not, uh, I'm not going to ask you to clean it up or, 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 or figure out how to do projections because you've never done one before, but I want you to understand the expenses. I want to talk through what it's going to take. I want you to explain to me in three years, what do you see this looking like? I want you to talk to me about who's your first hire once you start getting money in, where you're going to look for these grants. I want you to really kind of dig into that research portion. So we're together during the process until you get your exemption. And that's our promise to our clients. Wow. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So let's end on this. Tell me in your mind, what some really successful nonprofits look like. I mean, the names, let's name them, (laughs) you know, give me, give me three. Give you three. Okay. So, um, I would say probably probably one of my early nonprofits, um, and and I'm and I'm tooting my own horn because it's one of the ones that we um, supported, and it was actually called uh, it is actually called the Samburu Project, mm. and the founder oh my gosh she was amazing her name is uh, Kristen Kaczynski, and she um, went on a trip to uh, Samburu, Kenya, and she was inspired. She was actually working in Hollywood, and she was uh, doing a lot of uh, production and uh, work. And she went on this trip. She went on a safari, and she met this beautiful, beautiful people in the region of Samburu and basically um, got inspired around the women who had to uh, travel by foot to get water. And realized that in the region, what they were doing was they were dropping water bottles in the region. And um, when there was a possibility of actually drilling wells. And so she came back passionate 
and focused and driven about what it meant to get these girls in school and get them, um, get them in school, get them uh, uh, back uh, at home, get them close to home, keep them safe, and be able to drill these wells and make a difference for families so that for generations to come, they could have clean water, they could um, be able to um, uh, be safe, and it could really change the fabric of the community. And she committed her life to that and began began this project by drilling wells and she raised the money out here with her network and they do a run for water they do fundraisers and it grew to the place where actually um she is going to be always the founder but she no longer is on the board so oh oh yeah so it it grew and it grew and it grew and it just took on you know this life where people were now committed to the cause and it was the work that she wanted to start and do. And she's moved on to other things. But I think that's success. It's success when you could do a work and it could echo into the community and people align with it so much that people are able to take the work and it continue without you. Wow. And I think that that's success. So that would be uh, that would be one major uh, example. Um, I would say that. Another uh, another example uh, would be um, I myself uh, myself and one of my uh, really great friends from college about eight years ago uh, started a nonprofit. And it's so funny when we were in college, we knew we were going to work together. We just never knew what it was going to be, and so we started an organization called Cali Now, and it's a C A L E. And Cali Now stands for Culture, Arts, and Leadership Exchange. And our mission is to create global leaders. And we take uh, students, we take kids ages 11 to 14 and in underserved communities, and we expose them to a culture of the world. And we have an eight-week summer program. We expose them to food and arts and music and language. And at the end of the eight weeks, uh, to, at no cost to the parents, we offer full scholarships. We take the kids to the country that we've been studying. Wow. And we believe that if we give this these kids the gift of the world, that they can then see beyond their community, see beyond, uh, you know, their blocks and that they can be inspired to make a difference in the world. Because if our kids aren't able to compete at a global level, then where will they be in the future generations? Right. And so we've made a commitment to that. And we have been in existence for eight years and we've taken kids all over the world. We've taken kids to uh, everywhere from uh, Peru, Peru. We went to Lima and Cusco. We've gone to Ireland. We were in Dublin. We've taken kids to Italy, to uh, uh, Cuba. Uh, we've taken kids to Singapore. We've just taken kids all over the world. And, and how can people know more about that? Where can they go? They can that go, sounds absolutely incredible. Yes, they can go to Cali now, dot org, and they could see all about it. You'll, they'll see my face on there too and and they'll see us taking these kids and giving them this gift. I mean, we've taken kids who have never been we took kids who have never been on a plane or even kids that have never even been on a train. And we've taken them and we're now there. They, they took a train from, uh, you know, from from Venice to Florence, you know, kids that have never been on a boat that were now uh, on the channels uh, on a gondola or taking kids who, you know, have, you know, again, never ridden on a plane anywhere. And now they're flying uh, halfway across the world. And you get to go with them. 
Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I do. And I want to be a part of this. Every, everybody does as soon as we say that. Yes, where's the kid? I love the kids, you know. But this is a very delicate group. These are kids 11 to 14. It's at a very critical time. And the reason why this time uh, for me, why this time is so uh, critical, and I don't know if you know this in my own story, when I moved here, I'm originally from St. Kitts, and I lived in Canada and Quebec, and I my basic schooling was in uh, Saint-Laurent. And when I moved here as a preteen, I had a hard time fitting in. I had a hard time being accepted. It was a very critical time. I spoke French. It was my first language. I, I spoke English, but, you know, I had an accent. And when people asked me my name, I'd say Angel. And they'd say, oh, no, you know, it's Angel. Like, why are you saying it like that? Or, you know, so I was, you know, so I didn't get along with various groups. So, you know, you just look at me and you're like, oh, she's a, you know, she's a black girl, a little black girl. Or, you know, and then the black kids would look at me and be like, oh, you're, you know, you're not like us. So you're not us. And so... I didn't fit in. And so I spent that entire period of time wanting to fit in so much. And so I ended up running away from home and I ended up um, in a gang environment and I ended up getting shot a week before my 14th birthday. And it is only because of people that cared, programs that reached out, um, opportunity and God that stepped in that changed my trajectory, but it's at such a critical point that if it didn't change, then it changed just in time for me to be college bound. It changed just in time for me to get serious about my grades. That's why it's so important for me to get these kids at that age, their influence, they're, they're trying to fit in, they're trying to figure it out. And so, um, the success for me is in changing these kids and changing their family and the hopes to change their tra- tra- trajectory just a bit. Wow. Because if we can do that, man, what a huge difference it'll make. What a beautiful story. And by the way, had no idea about that and uh, how victorious you are. And wow. I mean, I already had such high regards for you and, <laughs> and you know, put you way up there. Now you're beyond the clouds as far as I'm concerned. I mean, no, sweet. no, seriously, because as women to go through trauma like that yeah, and to become who you are and what you stand for and what you do and the people's lives that you touch. Absolutely incredible because a lot of women and men that go through trauma, unfortunately clutch that trauma and it dictates the force of their life. Absolutely. And to be able to take whatever that force was and do something with it. Ah, that's the amazing force of what you said, God. Yes, absolutely. And that's, and that to me is the heart of where nonprofits are birth, where yes. cause and you know, it comes from impact. Nonprofits come from, a lot of it comes from pain. You yes. know, someone died, something impacted me, something uh, shifted me, something changed me. We, you know, started one even for our son, you know, uh, you know, my son has, uh, you know, varying needs and um, he's a micro preemie and he has a very specific story. And because of it, I like to, uh, I want to advocate and help other parents navigate the process, the system, early intervention and centers and, and, and benefits and things that you can get and school systems and IEPs and IPP, you know, all these things that you never even know exist until you have a child that's faced with a disability or faced with uh, an issue or faced with needing some support. Mm. And um, 
you know, we started this organization called A Kid Like Onden because we just realized that there were so many parents that had their own children that were very unique and didn't quite fit into the box, but they needed support uh, advocating and understanding. They definitely need support because that can be a lonely place. Absolutely. Because you don't know who to talk to. Yeah. You are afraid to talk to people. Yeah. You know, I mean, in all kinds of situations, um, not just with children, but even with, you know, um, people that have been hurt mm-hmm. mentally, physically. Absolutely. You know, all of those places. Wow. I didn't even know about this too. See, I'm finding things <laughs> out folks about this young lady, this beautiful young lady that I'm just loving. So, you know, as soon as we're done with this show, we're going to keep talking about all of this stuff because I'm super interested. Oh. But, um, so that's amazing. Yes. And, and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. What we're talking about when we're talking about nonprofits, it's about passion projects. Yes. And it's about giving back to the communities. Absolutely. And that's really what nonprofits need to be about. It's yeah. not about a means to make money. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is nonprofit doesn't mean no money. Well, of course. Of you know course. What I mean? it, it, you are, people are like, well, how am I going to get money out? Well, you work and you get a paycheck <laughs> like everybody else. So uh, the nonprofit could hire you. Yes. You know, the nonprofit can have benefits. The nonprofit has insurance. The nonprofit can have, you know, key man policies. The nonprofit, you know, if it does well enough, it can, I'm sure you can get a company car if you got to go places. Yeah, right right. You know what I mean? So there's stuff that can happen. It's still business. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that the profit, Profits are meant to be reinvested in its purpose. I love it. I love it. Well, friends, you heard it here first, and uh, there's so much more to share with you. And of course, we're going to have Angel back to talk. And now I can say it, Angel. <laughs> now that I know that you are French, I can say it with passion. <laughs> yeah. We are going to have Angel back, wee oui, wee, oui, with us. <laughs> this is Angela Sedisbisar. You are listening to your credit today. And Angel and Angela are out.